Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Stay Healthy South Sound podcast, where we want to give you tips on staying healthy and even expose common myths about health and aging so you can enjoy a healthier and active life in the amazing South Sound. Brought to you by Dr. Jennifer Penrose, owner of Penrose & Associates Physical Therapy. Welcome to the Stay Healthy South Sound podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Penrose, owner of Penrose & Associates Physical Therapy. And today I want to talk to you about back pain and sciatica through the story of my patient. So welcome, Rosemary, and thanks so much for your willingness to share your journey so others can learn and gain some hope if they are currently suffering. Thank you, Dr. Penrose. I'm glad to be here. So let's talk about in the beginning, you know, what first led you to coming to physical therapy in the first place. My story involves the fact that I never thought the physical therapy had anything to do with the pain that I was experiencing. I was not in immediate pain, but within a week I was disabled. And because the COVID season had just started, my daughter was doing shopping for me. And I had never taken pain pills before in my life. There was just one operation. One time I had one pain pill in the hospital. I just had never had pain pills. And now she was buying the store out and she was saying, mom, you cannot be taking so many pain pills. And I would just barely wait until the time was that I could take the next one. I didn't sleep at night. I was terribly uh, sleep deprived, which added to a whole overall body pain. So the first thing that uh, my husband and I tried to do was, um, okay, let's go to a chiropractor. That didn't make much sense to me, but I did have a leg that was hurting. It was mostly my lower leg and uh, the um, ankle area, and I had no feeling in my feet. And so we went to the chiropractor twice. And honestly, it hurt so bad. Uh, When he kind of made a twist on me on my back, trying to get my back to straighten out, I just rolled off of the table and said, I can't come back again. And that is where I was ready to die. I was ready to quit. And it was about two months of that sort of thing. It took me two months to get an MRI because it was the COVID season. And my regular physician did talk to me on the phone, but there were no office visits. And I mean, I was just incapacitated. I work with the youth in my church and uh, my youth pastor came by because I was feeling badly and he brought me a little bowl of candy and wished me well. And he said, what's going on? And I just told him this pain and he said, you need to go to the Penrose Physical Therapy. He said, they really helped me. And I said, well, Tom, I remember when you had pain in the back, but my pain is everywhere. It's not in my back. It's everywhere. He said, not. They knew immediately what my what part of my back was um, out of kink, and I did have to have surgery, but they analyzed it, and they diagnosed it, and I really recommend it. So that was my next call, and Jennifer, that's when I met you. <laughs> yeah, well, your story is not uncommon, and unfortunately, a little longer just because of the COVID season of actually getting help, but I think a lot of times people don't always think physical therapy first as an option. And so hopefully through this, this story and this journey, this will help people to think um, about it because 
we definitely got you functioning much better now than when we first met you. For sure. I drove in today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was it was several months before you drove, wasn't it? It really was. That was by my choice because I didn't feel strong enough to make an emergency uh, move if I needed to. I, I was walking around my house and, and uh, feeling a little bit crippled, but not strong enough to be a safe driver. Yeah. No, and, and your, your leg just didn't really have that strength to react, particularly in that ankle, that foot movement. Correct. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about your actual medical diagnosis. Um, you ended up having the MRI showing the stenosis at L4, L5, and that was kind of what was the nerve that was being impacted down your leg. Like most of your pain was in your leg, your weakness was in your leg, the no everything was in your leg. The MRI was extremely helpful to me. Of course, I'd carried it around and I'd seen it before you saw it. But um, you, my husband was very upset over all of this and he was ready to throw in the towel. So he was with us and he was asking the questions, but you showed us the, uh, your skeleton. I'm not sure what to really call yeah, that the model. Spine model. Yeah. yeah. The spine model, the plastic <laughs> spine model. Yeah. And that model matched the MRI enough that that was my first understanding that the back could be affecting this, which of course it was also, I'd always heard the term sciatica but I never knew what it really was. So that was my first education to understanding the sciatica nerve. Sciatica just means pain in the leg. It doesn't tell you where it's coming from. And for you, it was coming from that stenosis at L4, L5 in your back. It was more complicated than that. You had in that MRI, this terminology, I'm sorry, everyone, but it's a mouthful, Anterolisthesis, where one vertebrae is more forward on another at L4, L5. And then you had retrolisthesis, so that's where one is backwards on the other at L5, S1. And so that creates instability in the spine. And it was a grade one because they do grade it, so it wasn't severe. So um, I'm going to interrupt you there. Yeah. Didn't that sound like a lot of Greek? Yes, it's a lot of Greek. But I, I had no idea what you were talking about, but it was helpful to see the the model and and you were very patient with us to carry out for explaining what all of that Greek was saying. Yeah. So I think, you know, for people at home, when you get your hands on an MRI and you start going to Google, because I know you will, <laughs> it is helpful to have someone break it down into parts that really make sense and really all that 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 lingo her, her back was, is was not stable and the best way for stabilizing it was teaching her core stabilization abdominal exercises but in neutral so not sit-ups sit-ups are not a part of your life ever again are they <laughs> <laughs> i guess not which is a very sad thing for me i i have to accept my age the sit-ups i think we have all been trained from very young that that's how you get strong abdominals and the research has come out again and again where they um, test the abdominals and the recruitment while you do different exercises. And the planks recruit more core abdominal muscles than the sit-ups. So when people say, well, I'm going to miss that, I'm going to, and it's like, no, you won't. You'll get better strength from the plank. And it's been validated. It's just what we're all familiar with. But it is very straining to the spine and to the discs. And it's it's a lot of, we call it flexion when you bend forward like that. And with all the things going on in your back, we want to keep your spine neutral or straight instead. So there's ways to, and we did that. We helped you figure out what exercises would work 
keeping your spine in, quote, neutral. In fact, when I first came in, I just had so much pain that nobody could. Um, you, you had a couple of therapists here and they just could not. I think I might have frustrated them because there was no way to pinpoint my my pain. I did not know where my pain was coming from. I, I could not do it. And the first thing that Jennifer said to me was, okay, one week off, no more exercises. And I'm kind of a people pleaser. So I was trying so hard to do those exercises correctly and dutifully. And I just wanted to follow the rules so bad. And that was such a relief to have mentally as well as physically to not do those exercises for a whole week. And then when we came back in for the, uh, continuation of therapy, you took me slow and easy and, uh, this uh, no pain, no gain. You remove that from my belief system. We have to remove that belief system all the time. I think that's what we found out in the beginning. We didn't have the MRI report in the beginning for you. So in the beginning, we were going off of when you move, does this hurt or does this movement hurt? Because we, we try to find out through movement what things are causing pain, then we won't do that particular, we're going to go this direction. But when everything hurts and the patient wants to just push through, so to speak, and I think that's where you were at, which many people are at in the beginning. But once we got that information of the MRI, it definitely clarified, okay, this is why these exercises we're no longer going to do anymore. And we're going to take a break and let everything settle down and then go with neutral spine for your exercises. So it's a, when someone is that in that much pain, it is a lot harder for us to delineate what pathway to, to take. But when, once we had that, that allowed us to have the right information to go forward. But I think that's the big thing for people to remember with physical therapy is you have to really communicate with your therapist and you have to be really honest so we definitely have a lot of people who want to please us and they want to do everything right. And it's, it's not about that. It's really about, okay, if that didn't work, you need to tell us because then it's our job to come up with an alternative or a modification or, you know, something else going on here. And we need you to see a different specialist. It's an art of communication, I would say, back and forth. Is that how you felt at some point? <laughs> I, I, I think I did. I, I was just very confused to what was going on. And I was certainly very hesitant because I had uh, done a lot of research of my own. And I had my husband, who is my um, doctor advisor, et cetera, trying <laughs> his best. And so we had so much information coming in that, um, yes, uh, you're right. It was just it was kind of hard to sort it out. And because it is kind of slow, it was a little hard to actually, I mean, I would come in and of course the first question is, so how much better are you? And it was always hard to explain that because yes, I did get in, I walked in today, but how much better am I than the last time? Because this process is very slow. When the nerves are, are irritated, they really take quite a while to calm back down. And that's, that's the hard part for sure is that, that the inflammation and the irritation, once it's kicked up with the nerves, it does take a while for that to, to calm down. It's just in the meantime, trying to create the right environment and exercises that do allow it to calm down, which we did get there. But I think that art of communication sometimes takes it can take a few visits. Well, I have to tell you, your conversation was very interesting to me. Let your body talk to you. I'm like, what? <laughs> My body doesn't have any words for me. Sorry. Next question. Yeah, you have to listen to it. And I think we talked about that several times of like, 
you know, if the repetitions that I'm assigning you is too many and you get to a certain point where you're like, mm, there's that feeling in my leg, then you stop. You, you just had to listen to your body. It was giving you information. <laughs> But it is a, it's a strange, I think, concept sometimes for people. Some other limitations that you had, I think, um, like squatting wasn't working very well for you, cleaning the house, those other types of tasks. And then we got into that more, like teaching you how to do that correctly. Do you want to comment on just like how that piece helped and what you found most, um, I don't know, just practical in terms of movement training? I think a lot of the most help from you was giving me permission to do or not do certain things. And of course, the vacuuming, my husband has never vacuumed in his whole life. <laughs> and now I was told you can't vacuum. And I couldn't vacuum. I just could not. I could not. So I went home and I said, well, now, you know, uh, Dr. Penrose says you have to vacuum. And uh, uh, you weren't very popular with him at that moment. But he said, okay. And he, of course, did not vacuum to my, what I wanted. And um, he, he wasn't a good enough, he, he wasn't a good enough vacuum cleaner person. And and he only sees the middle and he doesn't see anything near the couch. And, and so I had to grab that vacuum cleaner from him much sooner than I ever wanted to. But I was told to bend my knees. And so of some things that I totally will never, never forget from this experience, bend your knees. Bend your knees to pick things up. Bend your knees to vacuum. Bend your knees. Even at the kitchen, I do a lot of canning and standing straight. And again, you said, bend your knees. And so I'd say that's been the best advice I've had. Good. Yeah. The, the bending the knees and the, the hip hinging, like you using the hips to help you instead of your, your back. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like we teach that all day long here. That's <laughs> a, you know, unless you've been in physical therapy, you didn't learn how to protect your spine really like spine hygiene, so to speak. I mean, we all know about dental hygiene. But I don't know that we all know about spine hygiene of as our spines age, what's really the best way to take care of them. Well, another trick, I guess you could say, was um, you, uh, I don't ski, so I didn't have the ski sticks that you had suggested, but my grandson went out in the woods and got me some, oh, they're probably six foot tall alder poles. And uh, being the computer like he is, he put little plastic caps on the bottom. So those are my walking sticks that I faithfully walk at least once a day around my house with these walking sticks. And um, I still use them because what they do is they force my back to be more straight. I wear bifocals. And so I was more and more with age bending down and looking at the ground so I wasn't going to fall. And now this gives me the comfort that it'll catch me if I trip or start to fall. And so I can keep my eyes upward and my back straight words. So to me, the two tricks that I think I really have learned is to walk using walking sticks to help keep my back straight and to bend my knees. Yeah. No, the, the walking, we call them trekking poles or walking sticks. It makes a huge difference um, with people's posture and then they can walk further. And then the balance component, it's, it's a really big, um, you know, plus for people that are struggling with any of that. And I just think they do better with it. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you threw that in. Yeah, that's excellent. We're going to take a little break, not very long, but just a nice break, just to hear something from our sponsor. 
As a listener to the Stay Healthy South Sound podcast, we're offering you a free 15 to 20 minute pain screening, either by phone, virtual call, or in person to see if physical therapy is the right starting point for you. To sign up, contact us at info at PenrosePT.com or call us directly at 360-456-1444. That's 360-456-1444. And now, back to this episode. Okay, we are back from our break. And now we're just going to talk a little bit about Rosemary's just physical therapy experience as a whole, like in terms of past experiences of physical therapy compared to this one. Why don't you kind of dive into that question a little bit? Yes. My one and only experience with physical therapy was after a broken arm. When I took the cast off, my arm worked fine and it just seemed like there was a a, a very easy transition. So I thought that, and I truly thought that physical therapy had been very helpful with that broken arm, but that's what I thought physical therapy was all about. And I did not have a broken arm. You and many others think of, you know, after surgery, after a big accident, that hopefully they're seeing through this or hearing through this story that really if there's pain and inability to do what you want to do, something isn't functioning correctly, physical therapy is often really an appropriate place to start. And I mean, it's pretty conservative. There, you know, it's not that invasive. It's also not as expensive as other options. And so it's definitely something I'm trying to get that message out there to people um, that anything that you are feeling pain with and you can't move well, physical therapy should, should come to mind. And most of the time physicians are real supportive of that. It's just, I think a lot of times we're programmed for medication first um, and don't always realize what all physical therapy can do. So what was it that surprised you the most about coming to physical therapy? Was there anything that really kind of stuck out that surprised you the most about the whole experience? Again, I mentioned it was slow process, but it surprised me that it was working. It can be slow, but the body does, it it does want to heal. That's what I think I love about this profession is that as long as I get an accurate diagnosis and I know what movements need to happen or not happen, and I can communicate that and give that to the patient, 99% of the time they get better. I think that really was the biggest thing for me was the knowing. Once I understood what was going on, I understood why my exercises and the knowing and understanding. I don't know that that's so so important for everybody. But for me, I kind of like to know, why am I doing this? I would say most of my patients, if if they don't understand the why, there's not as much compliance. And then you won't see that long-term benefit, that outcome that they're really looking for. So I would, I would agree. Most of the time I have to make sure um, they understand at some level. Some people like to know more than others, but I would say you know, showing them pictures, showing them that spine model, anatomy models, um, all of that really helps. And I think for most of us, you know, if we don't understand the why, it just, we're not as compliant with whatever it is. I want to give your, uh, your clinic here uh, a plug because 
basically they were a friendly crew and you've got, I loved it when I got to ride the bicycle. So I tried to come in a little early and sometimes I would get to ride the stationary bicycle, but they were very friendly immediately being as COVID, we'd have to, you know, get our temperature, do our hands. Um, um, but they would smile at you and they were just a very friendly group. And I just want to give you that plug. Oh, that means a lot. No, I feel very blessed to have the people that I have because I couldn't, I can't be that for everybody every second of the day, but you know, they, they definitely are a great crew. And I think all of them, they all want to help the person and they all recognize when people are coming, they're either hurting pretty badly or they're not able to do something that they love. And that's emotionally and mentally very, very hard. And they also know sometimes the personalities coming in are very grumpy and irritated because of of all those issues and they don't take it personal. I mean, that's a, we have trainings on that. We have group staff meetings on that of really understanding where people are at and meeting them where they're at, because, you know, just because they might be a little short in the beginning, that's not usually how they end up in the end. And we just, we just know that it's like, we're just going to give them extra grace. Like that's just part of being in this environment. But yeah, my, I feel like I have a really good crew. But, and I think, you know, everyone I hire, I try to really look for that, that heart, that spirit. What do you want others to know that might be home kind of just stuck, feeling stuck, um, and maybe even a little depressed about their current situation if they physically can't do something or they've been suffering with pain for a bit and just seem to be kind of wrapped up in that and can't really, what, what would you want others to know? Give it a shot. (laughs) What do you got to lose, right? What have you got to lose? How about tell us a little bit um, where you are now with your progress and what you're continuing to do to manage the condition. We chatted a little bit earlier about how, you know, it's not like these things in your back are going to go away. This is the condition that is in your back. So, you know, where are you now with it and what are you continuing to do to manage it? My managing basically is a continued program of exercising, which I had been doing before, but now I'm learning to do different ones. I still struggle with exercising as long as I should, because I'm one of those people like, got got, got something to do, got something to do. And so my exercises, even in the morning, were like, get up and start exercising and then go brush my teeth and start exercising and then go get some pajamas or get out of my pajamas and then go get the kitchen going and then do a few more exercises. And then, oh gosh, on my way out the door, maybe I better run with high knee hips or, or raises or something. So it's not easy for me to just set aside one hour or 45 minutes and just do these exercises. I want to be doing something else. And so one of the difficulties for me is when I start to do these exercises, sometimes you want to count to 10 or you're going to count to 20. You want to know how many seconds you did it. And so I've always got something else going on on my, um, my earphones. So I might be listening to something else and forget to count or forget even what exercise I'm doing. And so my biggest struggle right now is just simply to concentrate on them, but that's all my personality. I would much rather when I do my workout, listen to a podcast, like, so I'm, I'm learning something, but I don't need to take notes per se. Exactly. But it definitely passes the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And it's, it's just one of those, you'll get through it, but it, it is one of those, once you have a back condition, like I was talking about with spine hygiene, kind of being like dental hygiene, you have to do some sort of maintenance plan or care 
or um, it can come back to have a, you know, flare-ups can happen. Um, and so you can minimize that if you're keeping up with at least some core strengthening, some appropriate stretching. Um, but it didn't, it shouldn't take you two hours a day. I mean, really a 40 minutes or breaking it into two section of 20 minutes twice a day. That certainly sounds more doable. Yes. Yep. That's, that's the, and then the walking on top of that. That's excellent. And that was fine. Cause I like to walk and I live in the country. So walking becomes very easy for me and I love it. And, and when you're walking, you can listen to something else. Yes. Yep. That is nice. I would agree. Are there still some minor symptoms still, some tingling or anything that's still yeah, residue? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's there what I still thought. is. And the nerve stuff takes the longest to go away. We chatted about that in the past, but as a, just to kind of educate our listeners is sometimes that can take, you know, 18 months yeah, Sometimes and there's still some of the exercises that I really can't do, but I've got the comfort of knowing it's okay, just do what you can do. And certainly I'm functioning, so what more can I ask for? <laughs> <laughs> We're driving now. We're cooking and cleaning and grocery shopping. No, my daughter's grocery store. Oh, it's oh, still COVID. The COVID thing. <laughs> yes. You could, but we're going to... We're going to not. I, yes, completely. No, it's good that you feel like you have... You're able to do what you want to be able to do. Is there anything that you're still not doing, I guess, that you're hoping to return to? Well, I think I would put it better that I've resolved myself to realize that there are things like long backpacking, hiking that I'm not going to do anymore. Water skiing, I did not get to do last year uh, just due to the situation. And so it's been sad to think, "Mm, I think my water skiing days are over. Maybe anybody listening to this should know that I'm just about 80 years old. So maybe it's time to quit water skiing. (laughs) Uh, Those are the hard things for me. It's more the age than it is the PT. It's just hard to put those things aside. Yeah. Well, and at some point, um, I, I water ski as well. And I started water skiing when I was like six. So I grew up in the Midwest and there was, you know, a lake there and we, so I've skied a long time as well. And I think at some point you just start to weigh the risk versus the thrill. And I'm sure I'll get there one day where it's like, you know what, it's just not worth it. That's really true. And I broke my arm. I was just amazed. I couldn't believe I, I, I didn't, it wasn't from a, a huge fall or anything. I just was kind of a, I, I made a jump, hit myself on a tree and came down on the, on the ground really hard. And it was like, whoa, this arm is really hurting. And I was actually chasing teenagers around, playing a game with them. And it was like, oh my gosh. And I mean, it really hurt. I'd never gone through anything like that before. So that was my first experience, which doesn't really have to do with PT, but it makes me understand that it has to do with my lifestyle. That when I start, especially when I play winter games with the kids out on these retreats, I'm realizing, you know, that snow is pretty slick and I don't want to fall down like I used to fall down because I don't want another broken arm. So it's kind of, it's just a, a I have to learn a new lifestyle. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely some of those choices where it's like, yeah, that's just, I might be okay, but if I'm not, do I really want to go through that injury and that rehab and that whole process? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. When I was skiing with my son this weekend, he's getting to the point where he wants to do black diamonds. Right. And I've skied it's winter. This is winter skiing, snow skiing. And I've kind of let the black diamonds go. Like I'm, I'm just like cruise the blues. I'm fine. I don't need to worry about falling. Cause I mean, if I fall and fracture anything, 
It's just, there's a lot of implications for work and for life. I don't want to deal with those, but he really wanted to go down them and didn't want to go alone. So I did go down them, but let's just say I was so slow going down. It was just like one turn and stop, one turn and stop. And my son just looks up at me like, are you going to get down here? So, you know, but it is, it's one of those like, all right, I sort of did it, but I didn't do it anywhere near what I would have done 15 years ago. Cause it just That's hard. Yeah, it's hard it to adjust to. Yeah. And I, in my mind, I'm like, well, I, I could probably go a little faster. And then the other part of my mind's like, it's not worth it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I didn't, but I get, I, we all enter those phases and I just think we have to really weigh the risk versus the, the thrill and if it's worth it. Well, any closing points, I want to be sure I have the chance to say this for my closing point, is that if you have any questions with pain, put the physical therapist on your checklist of a possible resolution to a problem. It was not on my radar. Yes. No, that's a perfect summary of today, I would say. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, lastly, we have questions that we've, we uh, always do at the end of the podcast because it's kind of fun. What is something in the Pacific Northwest that you've not done yet that's still on your bucket list? Do you have anything? Um, we'll put it this way. There's things on my bucket list that I know we'll never do because of what you and I were just discussing. Um, but we do plan uh, COVID being uh, subsided. In uh, September, we're planning a trip to Colorado to watch, uh, uh, he's our oldest grandson, play in a baseball game. Oh, all right. So we're really looking forward to that. So it doesn't have anything to do with PT, but I no. sure do want to get on that plane and I want to do a little bit more of um, experiencing life. Yes, exactly. What is your favorite restaurant locally that eventually you can go to again? <laughs> I love to cook and we rarely go out. Okay. Yeah, sometimes I've gotten that way where... We'll go out to eat. And then what I order, I think to myself, I could have made this better. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes really good seafood, though, is is hard to beat. And, and that's really true. You know, especially if we've been, I can think someplace when we recently went on a vacation and we, oh my gosh, we had a wonderful seafood restaurant. So this is true. Gary and I mostly do the McDonald's drive through a buck for a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Um, and then your number one advice for people who may feel hopeless or stuck. I think you kind of already gave it. Put PT on your checklist. That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Stay Healthy South Sound podcast brought to you by Penrose and Associates Physical Therapy. If you want some free tips to implement right away on various problems like knee pain, back pain, running injuries, and many more issues, then jump on over to PenrosePT.com and download the free report that fits your needs. You will receive helpful tips right away and have the choice to email in for further questions and set up a free phone consultation. You can reach us at 360-456-1444 and info at PenrosePT.com. You can stay connected with us at StayHealthySouthSound.com and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Stay Healthy South Sound podcast.